Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, Project Management, and Design Thinking. In this episode number 190B, we continue with stave two of the audio release of A Business Carol. To get the full commercial free release for free, fill out the form at esuccess-methods.com slash book releases or email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com, and I'll send you a link to download all eight audio files. For now, please enjoy Stave 2. If you liked this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Stave 2. Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations. I was sleeping soundly when the car alarm went off. Damn it. I hate those stupid things. I'd much rather cars were armed with taser devices that silently dropped would-be robbers to the pavement in a twitching heap. As the alarm continued unabated, I lay there imagining the precipitous drop in car burglaries and the untold wealth that I could reap from my taser idea if I could just get it past regulators. Where is this car's owner? Probably too drunk on holiday cheer to realize his car is crying out for him in the middle of the night like some frightened child. Why hasn't security come to silence the racket? I looked at my bedside clock. Midnight. Barely an hour's sleep. I pulled the pillow over my head and huddled under the comforter. Just as I started to doze off, I realized that the room was becoming brighter and warmer. Energy crept over my skin. Like a kid peering from his blanket fort, I pulled the pillow down ever so slightly, just to make sure that it was all in my head nothing was amiss in the room. Glowing at the foot of my bed was a man wearing a black frog coat over a black velvet waistcoat over a white linen shirt with upstanding collar. In his left hand, he held black leather gloves and in the other, a stylish cane. Yes, clearly that tea was foul. I pulled the pillow back over my head and wished for morning. Then a strong, confident voice in my room, or was it in my head, said, I am the father of modern economics. Don't you recognize me, Anwar? I should have thrown the tea out before coming to bed. Surely this is some sort of bad trip, brought on by a combination of bad tea and that strange Christmas card, with some college flashback thrown in for good measure. I just need to ride this out until morning. Anwar, you're being slothful and lazy. Two traits I cannot abide by under any circumstances. It's midnight. I'm exhausted. Was I really debating with my own hallucination now? Do you know who I am, Anwar? No, nor do I care. It's late, and I'm not up for this. I am Adam Smith. My comforter and pillow flew from on top of me to the corner of the room. The man stood, glaring down at me. I get it. Invisible hand. Funny. But look here. I don't care who you are or who has sent you. This isn't funny anymore. I grabbed the remaining pillow and pulled it over my head. Dude, go away. You're really starting to freak me out. Your grandfather has sent me, and I'll have none of that. The remaining pillow flew into the corner. Rise and dress. The night is young, and we have much to do. That's when I realized why people follow the voices in their heads. A part of your brain thinks that if you just give in to what they want, they'll go away. I rolled my bare feet off the edge of the bed. I was still wearing the sweatpants and shirt from earlier. How dressed do I need to be for this? 
That will do. He held the hand out to me. Don't ask me why, but I took his hand. The room swirled, strange peace washed over me, and lightness filled my body as we tumbled through brilliantly colored clouds. When he let loose of my hand, I nearly stumbled forward in realization that I was standing on solid ground again. It was a dirty, bustling neighborhood of crude shanties on regular lots divided by narrow, muddy walkways. Mud squished between my toes as I blinked and tried to understand my surroundings. The people scurrying up and down the street seemed oblivious to our presence. Where are we? Smith smiled. Southern Middletown, in the late 1800s. I looked around. These people? He began to walk away from me. Oh, don't worry. They can't see or hear you. Afraid to be left alone, I chase after him like a puppy. What does all this have to do with me? He stopped and laughed. Why, everything, my dear boy. This is the birth of capitalism. This is your heritage. Do you not cling to your heritage like the starved newborn calf that sucks hungrily at its mother's teat? Over his shoulder, a woman with a large pot emerged from one of the shacks. She dumped its contents on the ground and went back inside. As we stood there, the fetid fluid flowed lazily toward us, bringing a distinct odor of urine and feces. Oh my god, that's foul! He looked back and then casually took a step to one side to allow it to flow past without soiling his shoes. No, dear boy, that's progress. I looked down and reconsidered the mud squishing through my toes. Is, is this mud real? Quite. There was no real dry area to jump to. Why have you brought me here? Smith laughed. Industrialization drew the growing masses from far-flung farms in search of a steady work and better wages. Still preoccupied with my lack of footwear, I squirmed uncomfortably. The more I moved, the more the mud squished between my toes. But why don't they just go somewhere else? I tried kicking a large lump from my foot. You sound like that old nagging Nelly, Thomas Malthus. He rolled his eyes with an aggravated look. Then in a singy-song voice, Technologies and discoveries only result in more people and no more improvement than their standard of living. Then he looked at me square in the eye. To hear him tell it, I'm responsible for all the poverty and misery that was ever, or will ever, be found in every nation on earth. Well, I'll tell you this, young boy. Industrialization brought people together, increased productivity, and the wages have gone up as a result. I looked around, confused. Well, if the wages have gone up, then why are they living like this? Adam shrugged his shoulders. We all have to start somewhere. Just as you crawled around your mother's carpets before you managed to pull yourself up to a wobbly stance, these people are finding their way. Well, this... I struggled. If nothing else, this is unsanitary. Unsanitary? He slowly surveyed the neighborhood. Well, yes, I suppose so. A percentage of the people living here will succumb to tuberculosis, cholera, and typhoid. But those same ills drove advances in microbiology and modern sanitation. Even in these tight conditions, these people managed to bear children, and many of those children managed to live till the age of ten, when they themselves are useful workers. Harsh times create strong bonds, don't you agree? I felt my stomach tighten. I was beginning to retch at the fumes. Stronger than this stench? Can we please go somewhere else? Certainly. He held out his arm. Touch my sleeve. 
We tumbled through space until we landed on an elevated wooden catwalk, overlooking a cavernous space filled with the roar of production equipment. Behind us were the offices of the managers who oversaw production. As I watched the bustling activity, at one end, small people pulled large spindles full of thread and replaced them with empty wooden spools. In another area, the full spindles were mounted onto the line where automated looms sucked ravenously at the thread while they spewed yarns of woven material. Others would catch the cloth and thread it onto fuller machines. Beneath it all, sweepers climbed under and through the machinery with the precision timing of a Swiss watch to keep the floors clear of lint and debris. Supervisors wandered the floor, barking orders, occasionally slapping at workers, for real or imagined slights, or accosting the young girls. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you tired of hearing our commercials? Wouldn't you rather hear your own? Buy a one-minute spot to reach hundreds of listeners each week on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Showcase your product, market your service, or maybe even reach out to a potential employer in a truly creative and unique way. Contact us through our website for more details, www.esuccess-methods.com. Journey through success. I looked at Adams. Is this the factory where people from that town work? It is. They look like a bunch of kids. They can't be more than 16 years old. What's wrong with that? Thanks to machinery, a child can produce nearly as much as an adult. A man demands $1.50 per day, a woman nearly a dollar. But children, male or female, will work for as little as 50 cents. Factories have to compete to provide the least expensive products if they're going to survive. Obtaining wages contains costs and improved profits. It would be tantamount to malpractice to do anything else. But don't these children need to go to school? The factory owner isn't forcing them to work here. They're all free to leave and never return. There are plenty of others who are eager to escape the backbreaking and filthy labor of the farm fields. But what about their parents? Don't they want a better life for them? Death from starvation or exposure serves no purpose. Those who do not work do not eat. And they certainly don't enjoy such luxuries as a roof over their head. What good is an education to the dead? I'd just opened my mouth to ask another question when a scream from the factory floor rang through the space. The machines fell silent. A large man rushed from the office behind me. The stink of his cheap cologne and stress sweat lingered in my nostrils as I watched him bolt down the steps to the floor and run into the gathering crowd. The manager towered over the children and demanded, What stopped the line? A small boy pointed toward the center of the crowd. Cindy, she got caught. The man shoved into the center. I heard a child's cry, and he pulled a small girl from beneath the machines. The sleeve of her light blue dress stained crimson red. He tossed her back toward one of the supervisors. Get her out of here and take care of her. Then he turned to the crowd. Nothing more to see. Get this cleaned up. No one's going to pay for stained goods. The group quietly dispersed into their tasks. Adams, still watching the scene below... The wheels of commerce rolling at machine speed. What about that poor girl? Adams looked at me. Harsh times make for strong bonds. The community will take care of its own. I was speechless and could only stare in disbelief. Here. He held his arm toward me. There's more to see. 
We tumbled through space again, this time landing in an acrid fog on a concrete sidewalk of a small town. The ground was strewn with golden leaves from the maple that stood next to us. I struggled to see, but my eyes burned. A uniformed figure emerged from the fog, bumping me as he rushed by, carrying metal tanks in his arms. Choking, I asked. Where are we? Is this hell? Adam smiled. Hardly. This is Denora, Pennsylvania. Halloween, 1948. Where was that man running to? Is there a fire somewhere? A fire? Oh, no. That's the steel mill just up the street. On a clear day, you'd be able to see it. And the man? Carrying oxygen to some poor soul, not quite hardy enough for the industrial age. What is that stench? I've heard that it's hydrogen fluoride and sulfur dioxide from the zinc works. How can these people survive this? Well, 20 of them won't survive. More than 6,000 will become extremely ill, and for years to come, the residents here will die at much higher rates than the rest of the U.S. as a whole. How did this happen? A weather condition called an air inversion has trapped all the smoke from the mills inside the valley. No, I mean, why didn't they stop it? Stop what? Mother Nature? Or do you mean stop the mills that employ nearly 5,000 people in this town? Would you put thousands out of work for the sake of a few? Mills that represent the height of technology as they know it and produce the raw materials needed for bridges, automobiles, and washing machines? Will you fight to stop the mills in your day? The very mills that are producing the I-beams that your project intends to use as mounting brackets? I was convicted by his words, but felt compelled to defend myself. But modern mills are much cleaner. Indeed. Events like this, the Cuyahoga River that seemed to catch fire at the drop of a hat, and a host of other things happening around the nation led to the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970. That spawned an entirely new industry that employs hundreds of thousands who focus on research and mitigations of all forms of pollution. To puzzle over why a still young industry didn't do better is no different than to ask why you as a toddler enjoyed putting those small pebbles in your mouth. The memory of standing ankle-deep, water rushing over my feet, as I explored the cool smoothness of a pebble with my tongue, came rushing back to me. How did he know I'd done that? Besides, I've long outgrown exploring the world with my tongue. Well, for the most part, anyway. Adams raised his arm toward me. Instinctively, I touched it, this time to land in an indistinct living room from anywhere in America. An elderly woman sat on the couch comforting a young child, but the child was inconsolable. There, there, dear. It's all right now. The red-headed child yelled as she tended his bruises and round his freckled face. Can you tell me what happened? The boy wailed in response, and the woman gathered him close in her arms. Looking around the room, obviously distressed, she picked up a small stuffed animal from the end table and brought it close to him. He pushed it away. She hugged him all the closer, kissed him on top of the head, and rocked gently as the boy continued to cry. She held the small creature in the boy's lap and asked, Was little Dave with you when it happened? The boy nodded yes. She held the toy to the ear and said, Was that little Dave? You're upset too? The boy watched her, but said nothing. She smiled gently, turned her ear to the fuzzy toy. What? Then she held the toy in the boy's lap again. 
Dave here wants to tell me what happened. But you know, my hearing isn't all that good anymore. Can you tell me what little Dave is saying? He sounds awfully upset. She moved the toy a little closer to the boy's hand. I'd really like to help him. The boy took the toy and looked at it. She hugged him closer as he sat motionless, staring at the fuzzy creature. She stroked his back and said, Can you help me help Dave? Can you tell me what happened to him, dear? The boy sniffed deeply. Dave was at school. Dave was on the playground. The big kids took Dave's ball away. Oh dear, that wasn't nice of them. No wonder he's so upset. I could see anguished tears in her eyes as she kissed the top of his head again. The boy's voice became more animated. Dave tried to get it back, but the kids laughed at him. They pushed him down. The edges of the boy's mouth pulled down hard as he fought back tears for his own stuffed friend. Oh honey, she rocked him gently. How horrible. Dave sounded like he was very brave. They hit Dave, he sniffed hard. They kicked Dave. Those bullies. I'm so sorry that there are people out there like that. She pulled him closer, a mixture of anger and sadness on her face. And the boy rolled into her chest and hugged her tight. I miss mommy. The woman's face contorted with grief. I do too, honey. Then, she put a smile on her face, pulled the boy back to look him straight in the eyes. She brushed the tears from his cheek and continued. But, you know, she's helping the angel look over both of us, right? She's watching over both you and me. Every single day, she's always near. I looked at Adams. What happened to his mother? Tooth infection. What? She was a single mother working full-time for a company that didn't provide health insurance. She couldn't afford to miss work over a toothache. Besides, the price the dentist asked was more than two weeks' worth of food for her family. He seemed slightly deflated. So, instead, she powered through, as you call it, hoping for it to get better on its own. It didn't. The infection from her tooth went into her bloodstream. She collapsed and died of sepsis. From a toothache? Adam shook off the momentary melancholy. No worries. She was one of those takers who didn't pay any taxes. Her death reduced the burden on the honest taxpayers. But how... I grow weary of your incessant questions. This time he reached out and touched my shoulder. We went tumbling through space until we landed back in my own bedroom. I've returned you to your dwelling, and my task is complete. Before I could ask anything else, he was gone. I was left in confusion. Had that really just happened? Or was I just losing my mind? When I looked, my bed was made and so inviting. I slid back between the covers, thinking, definitely need to get rid of that tea. Thanks for listening to episode 190B. Be sure to get your free copy of A Business Carol and share it with a friend. Break the bread and spread it around. Stay tuned for episode 190C, Stave 3. Jacob and I are working on an entire new catalog of episodes for 2018. If there's anything in particular you'd like to learn more about, now is the time to let us know. Just email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at e6s-methods.com. Until then, have a great holiday and continue to enjoy the rest of 2017. Be present and enjoy it. Cheers. Cheers.